Hello, and welcome to Rocket Accelerated Geek Conversation. This episode is brought to you by Fracture, Pingdom, and Q Acoustics. I'm Simone de Rochefort, a video producer at Polygon.com, and I'm joined today by Brianna Wu, owner of Ray's Lightsaber. <laughs> You've been reading the Relay Slack. I appreciate that. That's awesome. I've been reading our Facebook chat, Brie. And also that, yes, I do have Ray's official lightsaber. You have to go to Disney to get it, though, Simone. So, Did you like, not sell it online? You should do that. You should go down to Disney if just to have... Like, it's not like a cheap lightsaber, like a $20 lightsaber. Like, it's heavy. Like, it's really heavy if you pick it up. And you can detach, like, the glowing blade from the hilt if you just want to wear it as, like, an accessory. You know, just, like, walk down Fifth Avenue with your lightsaber. I would get arrested, but I would like to have a meaningful lightsaber. <laughs> I So, Christina this week, as everyone knows, is actually not at Disney. She's at Universal Studios, which means that we have to revise our Disney jail wishes for her. Cause last <laughs> week we were talking about how she was going to try again to get thrown in Disney jail. Turns out she's not even at Disney. Christina, how's that going to work for you? She'll find a way. I mean, come on. You can see Christina. She just like gets a pile of things she's bought that make no sense. And like climbs over the Disney gate. Like that would work very well for her. Is she breaking in or breaking out? Uh, either one. Yeah, you can't cage. You cannot cage Christina Warren. I guess you do we have to break that. in to break out. I mean, no, <laughs> not necessarily because people don't break into jail before they break out of jail. Uh, did you not see Prison Break, Simone? Come on. That's true. Come on. But didn't he get thrown into jail? He didn't necessarily break in. He got put in and then he well, broke out. Well, what season are you talking about? Oh, you're right. You're right. I don't he want does. to spoil Prison Break. It's it's kind of it's uh, kind this of a isn't big a Prison deal. Break podcast, but it could be one day. <laughs> <laughs> it will be once all technology fails, be. except for my DVD uh, player that I use to yes. watch Prison Break DVDs. Absolutely. Well, let's get to some tech topics woo! because no blockchain no, lettuce. We will be talking about blockchain lettuce eventually. There's, Just hold on for the show. We will yeah. talk about it. Biggest story of the week, as we know, is blockchain lettuce. But first, we have to <laughs> walk it back because you you said woo. You wooed. And I, I want you to retract that woo because <laughs> you and Christina both failed. You broke <laughs> promises to America and you both bought iPhones. As we know, because Christina already went through her, her walk of shame on the show last week. Right. Marie, tell us what happened when you broke your promise and bought a phone. Okay, I I hope this doesn't seem politician-y, but I take contest with that depiction. So let me let me just tell the listeners the full story. I'll give you the full woo. So I was having my hair done, and uh, the Apple store is right next to the place where I have my hair done. So um, you know, I happened to walk in there, and I saw that they had iPhone Maxes. And I'm like, oh, like, you know that moment where Apple puts out a new product and you want to see it in person? Like, you do that, right? Yeah, Simone? that's yeah. what I want to do. So so I walked into Apple and then the manager is right there and he goes, by the way, we only have one iPhone <laughs> Silver Max yet left for AT&T. So that's all we have left. And I go, give me that phone. Like my my brain, it was like opportunity, right? Like it's like I got rolled on a New Orleans street corner while I was drunk. Um, he got you. That was a, got a, a play. He got me. So I was playing with it in the store and I had the case off of it, like in the store. And I'm like, well, this feels a little unwieldy, but... Maybe you'll get used to it just like the six plus you get used to it. And, um, you know, I bought it and I was like, I'm going to give this a fair shakedown. And I remember when I got the plus, I hated it initially. And Georgia Dow, friend of the show, said, Bree, just stick with it, give it a shot, you'll love it. And she enabler, was right. local enabler, uh, Georgia yeah. Dow. Well, Canadian enabler, so Fair. overseas enabler. Oh, really more worst. of a, a, yeah, she's more of an influencer over from out of the country. Um, <laughs> so I get this phone and I take it home and I put it in the case and just instantly 
it's so freaking heavy with the iPhone, like, official Max case on it. Like, really unusually heavy. Like, it's putting strain on my arm every single time I'm holding it. Um, if you look at the drop test for this particular phone, they have not... It, it doesn't seem to be substantially better than uh, the iPhone X, which is one of the most droppable models. So I got it. I thought it was going to suck. It sucked, and I bought it on Friday and took it back on Sunday. And the only reason I didn't take it back on Saturday is because I was out of town. So, um, Jeez. And I, I want to say Christina has hers. She seems to like it. Um, and... Just being really honest with you, Simone, like here on the show, we we want listeners, like sometimes I buy things knowing I want to talk about them on Rocket. And with mm-hmm. this, we've never given an Apple product a review this bad. And I, I really, part of it was wanting to have some firsthand experience with it to be really sure about it. And um, yeah, I am sure this is not the phone for me at all. Um, I was not able to perceive any speed differences with it. Mm-hmm. I'm sure if you're messing with AR or something like that, you could. Um, personally, I'm not a really big camera person. Uh, I was not able to differentiate anything different with the picture. I'm sure my friend Erin Brooks could. Uh, she was retreated by uh, you know, Tim Cook. But overall, I... I just hate this product. And I'm sorry, Apple. <laughs> yeah. I feel like for me, the the weight issue is definitely a thing because I've already proven that no matter how much my arms hurt, I will not use my phone any less. It's just, <laughs> it's not going to happen. So having yeah. a heavier phone would be the worst thing that I could do to myself. Right. I feel but like then you'd have She-Hulk arms it, eventually. True. So, just She-Hulk right. wrists, like huge muscular <laughs> wrists on on weak, broken arms. It would be very tragic. I want to see that. Like, uh, no offense, your bird arms, and then like <laughs> jacked, jacked wrists. Where is the fan just art? Jacked. Yes. Oh my gosh. I feel like maybe in terms of what they're doing with like stopping production on the ten and the eight, and like doing. The 10s, the 10s Max, and the 10R. Good God, that's hard to say. It really <laughs> does feel like last year was the soft reset of yep. the line and like launching the new the new um, form factor. But this year is the like okay, this this is the real sort of beginning of the next generation of iPhones that we're yeah. going to be stuck with. Right. And I think it's worth saying, you know, I will never forget, uh, I think it was ABC, and they were allowed into Johnny Ives, you know, lab at Apple. And, uh, you know, they had a CNC machine, a milling machine, basically for aluminum. And when they think about doing a product, they they print out all these different sizes of it, right? So you have an iPhone, it's like a millimeter more here. You know, they experiment with it because you can make a product. It's like big isn't necessarily better. It's the right trade-off between weight and size and display and all these things, right? So, like, the way I feel is going from, like, the iPhone 6 screen to the 6 uh, Plus, that was a really big difference in size with how you could perceive things on the screen. Um, and the iPhone X in general is like that same size screen. To me, I think, and this is a deeply personal thing, that is best for me personally. Maybe it's not best for some people. Um, you know, maybe if your eyes are going, right? Like my husband's eyesight is much worse today than it was a decade ago. You know, he in general appreciates big screens. So I'm sure there's a use case for people out there for this. I'm just not that use case. Mm-hmm. That makes a lot of sense. Yeah. Well, I <laughs> stay tuned for our staggered reviews continuing <laughs> when next week I walk into an Apple store and pick up a phone. <laughs> um, I, I'm forgetting where we left Christina because she had just gotten her phone last time yes. we recorded. 
Yes. Okay. So by the time we meet her again, she'll have had it for about two she's weeks. She's had it. She's taken it down to Disney slash Universal. She's using it down there. She has positive things to say on Twitter. Yeah. So, I mean, who knows? Maybe she's going to come back and she will have loved it. Right. And I will say the one good use case I found for this is at the gym watching a movie while I did the Stairmaster, mm-hmm. it is nicer for that. And it's nice to not carry like a separate iPad to the gym, which I usually do. Yeah. Um, you know, I'm, maybe Christina's use case is for it. I don't know. We'll find out. The, you, I think this is the second time that we have accidentally done the perfect phone test of getting a new phone and then somebody goes to Disneyland with it. <laughs> that, which That's is amazing. True. Well, yeah. now it's time for the story that everyone has been waiting for. Oh, yes. Which is Walmart's <laughs> honorable enforcement of the lettuce blockchain. <laughs> so basically, after an outbreak of E. coli last year, Walmart has said that its producers must use the blockchain for food safety to track the, the i i gather the 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 path of the lettuce to be able to <laughs> just basically confirm that the lettuce has been safe at every stage of its life from growth to delivery to Walmart. Brianna Wu. Yes. I want you to know something about me. Yes. When I read stories about the blockchain and people explain what the blockchain is being used for in a scenario, I think that sounds great and useful. And I feel like every time that that happens and then I come on the show and I'm like, you know, that sounded fine. You and Christina are like, this is dumb. And this is why it's dumb. <laughs> so I would like you to help me understand <laughs> inevitably what I assume will be that this is absurd. I, I think no. what this comes down to is just my lack of like deep understanding of the blockchain. No, you're not wrong at all. This is a fan- this is one of the best implementations of blockchain I've ever seen. So, I mean, let's back up. This was a huge joke on Twitter today because this blockchain freaking lettuce, yep. right? Like it's hilarious. And the headlines write s- themselves, right? It's you know, and there have been so many dumb, unbelievably dumb, just like head slapping dumb deeply stupid implementations of blockchain, right? I mean, do you remember when we were talking on the show and like Kodak said, we're going to be working with blockchain and their shot, their stock shot up and nothing has happened since then yeah. regarding it. Um, you know, blockchain is kind of like the, do you remember in 2008 when every game was getting an HD remake? It feels like blockchain is sometimes used like that. Yeah. That said, in this implementation, This is a 10 out of 10 genius implementation of it. So Walmart has been working to, um, basically when there's uh, food poisoning, you know, food gets introduced into the human food chain and, uh, you know, there's mold or something in it that will make people sick because it's toxic. Um, You've got to go through and check the entire chain, especially with something like lettuce where that bacteria can spread and find out where it's coming from so you can shut that down and keep people safe. This is a public health situation. We all know that right now things like the Department of, you know, to like go do inspections of food locally, that's not being funded super well at a local level. So it's good to see Walmart stepping up with this. So there are two components here. You've got the public uh, ledger of the blockchain. So everyone out there uh, is basically... If they're a supplier working with Walmart, they're having to go through, do a cryptographic check, uh, and upload it into a public ledger. So it's not just Walmart and the supplier that can see that this is where this bad batch of lettuce came from. It's every other supplier. So to me, this is a really genius way to keep everyone honest. It's one of the best implementations I've seen. That makes a lot of sense. What I one thing I understand about our food system in America is that it is kind of messed up and deeply broken. Mm-hmm. And what this uh, Wall Street Journal article mentions is that having the block implementing the blockchain for food suppliers would actually give us a larger picture of what our system looks like than yeah. what we currently have. Like I, I if you ask me to 
kind of understand that. I would have no idea. Like there was a Twitter thread a couple months ago about farmers and how our standard conception of a farmer is being like a guy who owns a farm, a family farm, <laughs> and grows some grows some vegetables and has some cows is deeply wrong. And farmers are generally large conglomerates that are producing like tons and tons of food and they're large like billion dollar companies. That is something that I have zero understanding of. And I think I, I would imagine that a lot of other people have zero understanding of that as well. So I don't necessarily think the blockchain would increase public understanding because so few people know how to access that information and what it might mean. However, I do I do like the idea of being able to have more, I guess, granular knowledge of what's going on at each step of that process. Right. I mean, it's basically a logistics problem, right? Um, you know, it's not good for Walmart. And by the way, this isn't just lettuce. It's also spinach. I'm sure other, you know, crops are susceptible to disease will be thrown into this mix eventually. Greens. But, but it's, it's, yeah, right. It's, it's not good for Walmart to sell food that's contaminated because then they have to go into their entire warehouse. They have to throw lots of things away and maybe that food has not been exposed. When you can't be very specific about where something came from, that's much harder to do. Um, so this is one of these situations where um, you're right to say this is about a giant conglomerate doing what's good for that conglomerate. Um, it's not really a public interest kind of thing. It's more of a like corporate logistics thing. Mm -hmm. That said, I do want to circle back around to what you were talking about with uh, a lot of farmers being large conglomerates, and you're right about that. That said, here in Massachusetts, I sure have met a lot of local co-ops that grow their own food. And I do think it's almost uh, like that's kind of a punk thing, right? Oh, to be super a farmer punk, yeah. in 2018 and to go grow your own vegetables. That's kind of badass, I think. I would so. love to be able to grow my own vegetables. And these aren't, but these aren't the people that would be ever supplying food no. to Walmart. No. no. Well, they may be. I mean, um, this is a bit above my pay grade, but last time I went to a Walmart a decade ago, they had um, an organic section, right? Mm. Organic food sometimes does come from those smaller local co-ops. Uh, there's a food chain here in Massachusetts called Be Good. Uh, they source all of their potatoes and meat and everything from local farms here, some of which are smaller. So, yeah, I can actually see them being forced to work with the blockchain and basically log into this public ledger. How would that affect, do you think, those smaller farms who might not have the infrastructure to, like, like what does that entail on a technical level to be able to enlist in this blockchain? I mean, it's not, it's not super complicated. It's going to depend on their implementation and the software. Um, it's also going to depend on the difficulty of a cryptographic check. I'm going to assume for Walmart, it's not um, like requiring you to calculate an obscenely difficult <laughs> math problem to figure it out. They just want you have to go through enough of a check to make sure um, it's legit. So assuming their software... Um, is is reasonable. I can't imagine it would be overly burdensome. I mean, we're kind of past the days, Simone, where it's like, you know, Walmart doesn't drive up in a uh, in a you know 1920 Ford truck and they're like, <laughs> oh, please throw your tomatoes in my truck, and then they cart it on down to the Walmart that way. It's like, you know, well, maybe no, if they did, they would know yeah. where the darn tomatoes came from. <laughs> <laughs> I love that idea, by the way. <laughs> All right. Well, Walmart, there's your new business idea. Forget this blockchain thing. Invest in a lot of solid Ford trucks <laughs> for your workers. Do it. Okay. Do it. So we've we've debunked the the skeptic the cynicism. We've debunked skinicism, cynicism over Walmart's <laughs> lettuce blockchain, which has a great snappy title, but. Isn't indeed a good th for once. I was right about a blockchain being a good thing. Yeah, and see, I feel I have to say this one. I am, I feel so strongly that the tech bro culture, you know, like there are so many stupid startups. Like, I will never forget, I went to go oversee like a startup pitch night in San Francisco. 
And I saw some of the dumbest ideas ever. I saw an emoji social media network being pitched. I mean, uh. it, 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 there's a lot of dumb stuff there. And I, I understand that to a certain degree, blockchain and the public ledger technology, it's just tied into these bad stereotypes about libertarian tech bros. Like, mm-hmm. do you know what I mean? Yeah, but, I know exactly. Because like every, every PR email that you will be sent about blockchain (laughs) will be from those people. Really? Yeah. Yeah. They have like a a picture and it's a dude with the hat, baseball hat on backwards and like (laughs) ducktail hair flying out of the baseball cap, that kind of thing. Yes. Yeah. Just like inexplicable. Just like, okay, okay. Yeah. You could put blockchain in there. I'm sure that, I'm sure that means (laughs) something in this context. Yeah. Hmm. All right. But yeah, do you think that that's, damaging for the tech world in a long-term sense to have just a saturation of bad ideas that kind of give that that's that sector a bad name so you know a few years ago we were talking a lot about graphene uh 10 years ago um a lot of people myself included thought graphene was going to be the next big thing. It's materials about the supercapacitor and the superconductor. And we really expected it to come and take over the whole world. Um, and that didn't really happen in a super public way. But if you go and look at graphene today and the, uh, the industrial applications of it, it is being produced and used. And yes, it hasn't made its way really into battery technology yet, but with a lot of... Um, aerospace applications, it's there, it's quiet, it's behind the scenes, it's a good material. Um, you know, similarly, when we think about new, um, you know, um, new alloys, uh, composited for the iPhone, you know, these are breakthroughs, but like, you don't know about that. You just buy your new iPhone and mm-hmm. it doesn't dent as much. I think in that same way, blockchain is like the underlying technology of it is excellent. Uh, I think there's a lot of awesome application to with blockchain to like avoid voter fraud. And I think that when blockchain is really implemented well, you're not going to see it, right? Like mm. it's, it's, it's just going to kind of be silently behind the scenes doing its thing. Yeah. So less um, of a buzzword, more of a, a functional tool in the arsenal slash gear in the wheel, cog in the wheel. Absolutely. In my opinion. This episode of Rocket is brought to you by Fracture. Hallelujah. Fracture is the company that can take your favorite images and print them directly onto glass for you to display in your home. Imagine having a wall covered in glass. (gasps) A glass wall. Imagine it, not a window, but a wall, (laughs) glass. Fractures are handmade in in Gainesville, Florida, from U.S. sourced materials. We should have told Christina to break into the fracture factory. That that could have been her crime. She could have. She could have seen the fracture's sleek, frameless design that goes with any decor. She could have seen the wall hangers that they include with every shipment because fractures come ready to, to display straight out of the box. Because the we could read the arrest, free. we could read the arrest report. It would say Christina Warren broke into the fractory, and we could have that, and it would be gorgeous. Was arrested in possession of ten fractures, all pictures of me, oddly enough, <laughs> beautifully printed on glass, directly on glass to make the perfect, thoughtful gift. Pictures of me. Fracture is also a green company operating a carbon-neutral factory, which they lovingly refer to as their fractory, and which I'm sure has incredibly good security, even to keep out someone like Christina Warren, known troublemaker, (laughs) who wants Fracture. She's like, so what I'm envisioning, Brianna, for Christina, like, pivot, pivot our thing here. Christina is like a Wile E. Coyote kind of character. Yeah. She's always going after those fractures or maybe like um, what's the Endora the Explorer, Swiper, the Fox. Christina's doing that, that kind of thing. So yeah. she, we recast her as a villain. She's always, she wants those fractures. She wants to redecorate her home in a tasteful and yet modern way. 
just like our listeners. Listen, <laughs> listeners, fracture prints are a great addition to any home, but especially your home. And they will also make amazing additions to the homes of your family and your friends. It's time to excavate the photos from your devices and send them out to be printed onto beautiful glass and hung in your home and the homes of your family and friends. Head to FractureMe.com slash Rocket to get started and see how sleek those fractures look. You can also get 15% off your first order because stealing is wrong, but getting a deal that's a steal is right. <laughs> and that's my new tagline for this oh. ad read. That is, again, FractureMe.com slash Rocket. Open it up right now and go there and get 15% off your first order. Thank you so much, Fracture, for your support of Rocket and Relay FM. I want to put Simone blockchain technology onto the show. What would it do? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> but I would hope it will prepare my body for puns like that. Because I'm not ready, Simone. No. My body was not ready for that. No one was ready. I'm disappointed. Brianna, woo! Woo! I want to know about Spider-Man. Oh, so, okay. So, this is where I'm very confused this week, Simone. We have to have a talk here. Uh-oh. So, I, we were talking, and you were talking about all the Spider-Man videos that you're making for Polygon, and then, hand to God, this week I'm like, oh, I'm going to play a bunch of Spider-Man, and then I'll be able to take, talk to Simone de Rochefort about it <laughs> on Rocket this week. So, did I get, did I get, did I get punked? What's, what's going on? One is capable of making many videos about Spider-Man without playing as much Spider-Man oh as God. she should have. <laughs> Brianna, I've done a video about the swinging in the game. I've done a video about how there's not a hidden tribute to the Twin Towers in the game. I've oh done a video God. about the real-life New York locations of the game. Actually, have you seen the video about the Twin Towers? No, I have not. this is kind of, this is a, a techie topic. So... What we were going to talk about was how Brie has secretly played, not secretly, played like 20 hours of Spider-Man to my two hours of Spider-Man, <laughs> um, despite the fact that I've been making videos about it for three weeks now. Oh, Simone! Oh. Brie, okay. there yes. is, in Spider-Man, users found a reflection on the side of a building. As Spider-Man runs up the building, there are two towers reflected in the glass that he's running up. Oh, and when you reach yeah. the top of the building, what you see in the distance is the Freedom Tower. Yeah. And people became very enthused with the idea that this was Insomniac Games' hidden, subtle tribute to the World Trade Center and 9-11, um, which is a risky thing to do in a game that came out, I think, the week of 9-11. Um, but, I wow. mean, most people felt that, oh, but that was, that's actually quite a tasteful Memorial. Wait, can I take a guess? Can I take a guess Please about what do. happened? This is my guess as a game developer that they were. It's really obvious to me that their base, uh, like New York, was based on a previous like build of New York, right? Because it's not specific. It's it's kind of generic, but I would imagine they were working with the previous three D model of New York. And that was baked into the specular maps for the puddle. And then it just never changed during production. Am I right about that? Unfortunately, you're not oh, right. But oh. it is even more deliciously techy, I think, okay. than, okay. than it is. So I, I should give you some vital context for this. The building that the reflections appear on, uh, it's north of the World Trade Center site. And it's also... It, it doesn't make sense. Like it couldn't be a reflection of the towers. It's as you're facing the world trade center site, it's on the opposite side of the building. So like they would never be reflected in that place, but people thought, Oh, it's because you're looking in that direction. You're running up the reflection and then you see the present day. But what happened is actually because of the way that they do reflections in the game overall, rather than having glass building front reflect what is facing it they have basically a map of essentially like jpegs of their whole new york city 
and the game pulls a reflection from the area, but not oh. an exact reflection. So when you turn mm-hmm. around on that building that you're climbing, you're climbing the reflection. You turn around, those buildings, those two buildings are not there. But where they are is it's actually showing on the building that you're running up. The reflection that you see is the building that you, the opposite face of the building you're on and the building next to it. Hmm. So we basically, I I felt, I felt that if it were a 9-11 tribute, which I thought it might be because the coincidences were there and they were powerful, I felt it was quite tasteful. And Pat Gill, my coworker, said, you're a dumbass and I'm going <laughs> to prove you wrong. Oh, that's so mean. <laughs> it was true, though. It was true. So, so he it's found the building. Rendering optimization uh, technique. Yeah. That yeah. Makes a lot of so sense. rather than yeah. ray tracing, which would provide like accurate reflections, accurate reflective surfaces, it is uh, cube mapping. That's what it's called. They use cube mapping for the reflections instead of, well, obviously, because we don't really have the technology to be able to do the ray tracing that would uh, be required for Spider Man, Marvel Spider Man. Um, so that is a fun mystery that we were able to debunk in Marvel Spider-Man. <laughs> Thank you for sharing, Samantha Rushfor. Yay. Now I've spoiled that video. So do what you do you think about... Do you have any thoughts about the game? <laughs> no. What do you think about <laughs> no. it so far? So, okay. So I have played so many of Insomniac's games. Uh, they did Sunset Overdrive, didn't they? Yes. Because it's kind of got the same cartoony look, right? So Insomniac, they made the, um, oh, the coal, what's his name? Uh, the Electricity Dudes, their previous open world game. You know oh. what I'm talking about. Infamous, infamous. They did infamous. Uh, so I've played this Spider-Man game a lot. I played it with Infamous 1, Infamous 2, Infamous First Light. <laughs> like, this is like more of that, uh, you know, insomniac third world like open world Mm -hmm. exploration game right like you've got bases you've got to go clear them out you've got a lot of collectibles around you've got uh character development like it's a fantastic game but i feel like i've just played it before um so I kind of like, I played it a lot on the first day and I'm like, no, I'm not going to, I'm not going to do this anymore. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I thought you and I were going to be talking about this week and I, I picked it back up and I kind of got addicted to it. Oh, um, gotcha. This, yeah. Thanks, Simone. Um, so I think what I like about it is there are way too many collectibles. Like when you go to every single segment of the map, you'll see, it's so much stupid stuff. Like, you know what I'm talking about, right, Simone? It's like black cat missions and pigeon yes. chasing missions and base missions and demon crime and normal crime. And, and then the good old <laughs> climb the tower to illuminate right. the section of the map to find more missions. Yeah. Oh, how about the Peter Parker? We was in high school for some reason, left like uh, 40 backpacks, 45 backpacks yeah. all over the city. What kind of high schooler can afford like 40 back- 45 backpacks? <laughs> Tony Stark was buying them for him, probably. Oh, oh, okay. Well, and then just cramming them full of junk. And like some of them are down there at, like at, at pedestrian level. And I'm like, Peter Parker, if you leave this there in New York for like a day, much less a few years. And his like, webs are supposed like, to dissolve eventually, right? That's the other thing is you're playing this game. You're like, you start thinking about the environmental consequences of Spider-Man, right? Because he's shooting webs everywhere. You're right. They should dissolve. It just makes no sense. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Okay. Okay. So way too much of that. That said, the reason I came to love this game is I love this interpretation of Mary Jane Watson. I absolutely love her. And I love Peter and Mary Jane's relationship uh, in this. Have you, have you played enough to see this, Simone? I, I know kind of what their what their story arc is, and like they gave her a lot more agency, right? Like they're not together yeah. at the beginning of the game, if I'm no, not mistaken. They've broken up. So, um, like, if you're a Spider Man fan and you go to the comics, um, Mary Jane Watson 
she's kind of like in the comics, she's a very stereotypical idea about what a, a love interest should be. Right. Mm-hmm. Like the first frame she's in with Peter Parker, she's like striking a pose with like, you know, her hand behind her head. And she's like, you just hit the jackpot tiger. Yeah. She's a model. Yeah. You know, she's always been a model or an actress. Right. 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 And there's nothing wrong with being either of those professions. I have friends that do that work. It's extremely difficult work. Um, but as far as like for me personally, a character I can relate to, not so much. Um, what I love about this interpretation of Mary Jane is she's a reporter. She's a very young reporter. She's trying to get scoops. And she, I, I don't think I'm spoiling anything when I say this version of her feels really compelled to do what she can and she's willing to put herself in danger. And she doesn't like Peter's um, kind of impulse to run into a situation and save her. Mm -hmm. Um, She finds that really, um, it feels like it takes away her agency. Um, I love like the, the way they've rendered her face in here. Like she's, she's attractive, but she's not like, um, you know, 3d video game pinup. Like she Mm -hmm. looks like a, a friend you could have. Um, I just, I love this. I love the version of um, Aunt Aunt May in this game. I love the villains in this game. Uh, it kind of starts off with Kingpin. It's a very stereotypical take on him. And then the story really takes a left turn. So I would say for me, this is really one of my favorite Spider-Man stories I've ever read. That is high praise. Yeah. And yeah, you're not the only one uh, who has really enjoyed Mary Jane. I know Allegra, one of her main takeaways from the game was like, oh, crap. Like, she loves Spider-Man more than any superhero. And um, Really? Yeah. Yeah. yeah it's like He's like her thing. He's her boy. So okay. for her, when she played this and saw this new version of, of Mary Jane, like that, that really meant something to her in a way that I think it wouldn't necessarily for me, because I don't have that previous association with the character. Um, like I'm, I'm always, I am, I would always be happy to see an independent woman journalist as a character in a video (laughs) game. I'm very happy for that. But for me, like the emotional base of like, Oh, they have changed her in this meaningful way and given her, like given something to her outside of Peter and her relationship with Peter, like that. I, I don't have like the emotional, association to really right. genuinely appreciate that on the level that it sounds like you do. Well, I mean, I, Spider-Man is not my, my, like, he's not who I'm into like superhero wise. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I will say I like what I like about this interpretation of Spider-Man is he's very jokey and fun. It's like, um, guardians of the galaxy humor, but without that, like latent sexism. <laughs> Like underneath all of it, yeah. Like it's it's less bro humor in this version of Peter Parker. He's very deprecating, but he's not. It doesn't constantly push me away. Like it's a very likable version of him. Um, Yeah. That said, you you know Spider Gwen is right. Yeah. So like Gwen Stacy, it's really interesting if you go back to the comic books because Emma Stone's uh, interpretation of Gwen Stacy is so dead on to the original comic books. Like she's her own person. She's stubborn. Uh, I hope this is not spoiling a comic book that's like 40 years old, but she dies. (laughs) Um, And that was a much more equal relationship. So to kind of see um, this version, Mary Jane have that same kind of back and forth. It's just, it's really rewarding. Yeah. I love it a lot. So I hope we get a spider, uh, Gwen spinoff DLC. Oh, one more thing I gotta say. I'll shut up. Miles, um, Miles Morales. Yes. So the ultimate version of Spider-Man, it just to kind of give our listeners a, a backup here. Um, the ultimate universe of Marvel was a few, like maybe 15 years ago, they said, our comics have gotten too complicated. People can't follow the continuity. So they basically rebooted X-Men, like Spider-Man, everyone, and made like new continuity for you to follow. Hooray, um, everyone it, loves that. Right. Well, this kind of did it without doing a new 52 kind of thing. So the the ultimate version of Spider-Man was um, a half black, half a Latino um, 
character named Miles Morales, whose father is a cop. And you know, even in an industry kind of famous for a toxic fan base like comics, um, everybody likes Miles Morales. And mm-hmm. he is very, very, very prominent in this game. So um, just for me, everything about this game is a much more modern version of Spider-Man. I'm so glad they did that. And you're, you're kind of uh, giving me encouragement to go back to it because I feel like it kind of... It fell at a time where, like, I, I really, really enjoyed it. I loved playing it, but it I wasn't so compelled to just like finish it, as it were. <laughs> but you are yeah. you're giving me, I think, the encouragement I needed, even at a time when Assassin's Creed is coming out and Red Dead Redemption Two, ah, and and, to, and and the new Tomb Raider is unbelievably good. So you I'm know, just going to say that. It's interesting. I when I when I'm thinking about like game of the year season, I feel like Spider-Man is so it's so solid and then like safe and mainstream enough that it's either really going to be forgotten at game of the year season or it's going to surprise surprise win over like God of War and whatever Do you the think heck so? else. Like my heart says that God of War is going to be game of the year because it's perfect. But I don't know. Spider-Man it, Spider-Man's either going to surprise or really disappoint <laughs> I, <laughs> when it comes I to mean, like what the, the game of the year results are. I think I, w- I would say this for me, game of the year isn't most fun game of the year. It's not the best selling game of the year to me. Game of the year is game that pushes our industry forward. Mm. Um, so like when Alien Isolation came out, like when Becker were doing Disruption, we voted that our game of the year because it was so different than the typical shooter things that came out that year. Um, so to me, I don't think Spider-Man's a game of the year candidate because no mm-hmm. mechanic, nothing in it is pushing our industry forward forward yeah um god of war like i it's not a game for me because it's a little brotastic Mm -hmm. but the narrative in it there's no doubt that's pushing our industry forward it's really a grown-up take on a kind of juvenile fantasy from the ps2 era yeah the script in it has a lot of substance so um i i it's not my personal game of the year but i think that would be a fair choice if that makes sense yeah i think i agree with that i'm like i'm just scanning because polygon is compiling a um best of 2018 list like as the year goes on and i just scanned it looking for other good stuff and i think looking at it god of war is definitely the standout in terms of the criteria that you just named for sure and i think even in terms of everything else except what if fortnite (laughs) what if fortnite (laughs) Fortnite really pushed our industry forward, right? Yeah. Like it's it's this new kind of game that appeals to streamers and online. Uh, it's got a wildly interactive component. It's got that free to play model, which I don't think is great for our industry, but there's no doubt mm-hmm. it's successful. They're doing um, it better yeah. than anyone. Yeah, you know, I think about sometimes the number of children playing Fortnite today is yeah. no doubt much bigger than the kids who played Super Mario of my generation. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, you know, um, yeah, if we're being honest, it's Fortnite definitely has impacted our field more. This episode of Rocket is brought to you by our brilliant friends over at Pingdom. Yay! Pingdom are brilliant because they help you keep your sites and the sites that you love online. Pingdom monitor your site so that you don't have to, and they give you real-time feedback so that you know exactly what's going on at all times. Imagine a scenario. I just personally in my real life reached over to pick up a glass of water, and I was kind of handing it to my other hand over my laptop. But imagine if my laptop was a server somewhere, and I, I spilled my water all over the internet, and then your site went down, but it was the middle of the night or something, and you you didn't know that your site went down because I spilled water <laughs> all over the internet. Stuff breaks all the time. You don't know what could happen. That exact scenario could happen. Or one that's even more outlandish, like like a, a tree falls on a power line. Pingdom detects around 13 million outages every month. 
That is more than 400,000 outages a day. That's a lot of glasses of water spilled on servers all over the world. It doesn't matter if you're a startup or a Fortune 500 company. You need alerts about any critical website issues. That's what Pingdom is for. They will let you customize how you are alerted uh, depending on the severity of an outage, for example. And they'll also track and analyze your website's load times so that you can see what is affecting the user experience, creating pain points for them, making them sad, or even making them happy. You can be like, oh, we fixed that page. That page now loads 30% faster than it did last week. Good job, developer Dan. You deserve a raise. And I know that you do because of Pingdom. If you have a site of any size, you need Pingdom. And Pingdom have a no-fuss approach to getting started. All they need is the URL that you want to monitor, and they will take care of the rest. So go to pingdom.com slash RelayFM right now for a 14-day free trial with no credit card required. And then when you do sign up, you can use the offer code ROCKET at checkout to get a massive 30% off your first invoice. Thank you so much, Pingdom, for your support of Rocket and Relay FM. Now I'm taking a big old gulp of my water because my throat's <laughs> dry. It was all well, the way over on the chair and I wasn't thinking about it. That ad read, it took a lot out of your body, Simone. It did. It like, was exhausting. Gotta, yeah. Working so hard like I do every day. <laughs> Brianna, we have yes. for our dessert a very important update from something that I thought was gone, <laughs> but it's not. <laughs> it's Fire Festival. Oh, it is. Is it? Does it involve bad decision making again? Why, Brianna, it does. Oh, great. It really <laughs> does. So, ay, 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 there's a lot to take in here, but essentially, the people responsible for Fire Festival, which was, if you remember, a sort of Instagram influencer bait trap, fraud trap for millennials to kidnap us to a beautiful island where we would experience concerts from notable artists and stay in like world-class sort of resort kind of lifestyle and experience a, a beautiful, a beautiful musical journey, um, which turned out to be actually no artists and sleeping in tents or even just no tents and no food and also being trapped on the island. That's what Fire Festival actually was. That thing, that thing, uh, the people responsible for the mismanagement of this event that caused people to be sad and trapped on an island uh, are basically saying, no, it wasn't <laughs> us. We did nothing wrong. Oh, oh. Now, this is, this is a topic. It's easy to joke about this guy. We're about to be talking about claims of mental health issues. And I just, before we joke and in, jump into this and make fun of this person, like, I just want to say like mental health issues are here or they're real, you know, people suffer from them. The, the, I've seen and heard so many stories in the last year from people that with mental health issues have not been treated well by the court system. So I just want to, you know, put that out here. We're about to talk about mental health illness. If, mental health in a policy sense, and I don't want to make light of that at all. That's very important to me. That said, uh, Billy McFarlane, the person uh, behind Fire Festival, he's currently uh, right now uh, awaiting sentencing for basically a big fraud scheme. Uh, if I remember correctly, he faces up to 14 years in prison. So this is, um, you know, this is, this is non-trivial, what he's facing. And his lawyers have come forward and they've basically said uh, their client has been diagnosed with bipolar, ADHD, and also having a substance abuse issue, specifically alcoholism. And the the mix of all those things led him to have what they call, quote, delusional beliefs of having uh, special and unique talents that will lead to fame and fortune. So, yeah, basically what we're having here is someone who... I think it's fair to say they 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 come off as a little privileged. I mean, is that just me, Simone? Like you feel that way too, right? Yeah, and I I actually I can think of another almost exact analog to this event, but yeah, I'd agree with that. Well, I mean, you know, and to see to see someone like this 
kind of use like ADHD as a, uh, as an excuse for committing like felonious level of wire fraud with people. It's just, um, that's, that's shocking, right? Mm-hmm. Like it just feels exploitive. I mean, how do you feel and about it? At the same time, Ja Rule, who was also involved in planning this is on the record as saying it was beyond effing brilliant. I'm in no way, shape, or form ashamed of my vision of what it was to do this. Oh Which is like the other, the, the lighter side of this, because I right. I don't know that he's facing any charges, which uh, I should look that up, but it's uh, astounding to me. If not, what this really reminds me of when I was reading the Vulture piece on this is, um, did you stay up to date on the Fusi tube event that happened. I did not tell me all about okay, this. Okay, so there is this YouTuber um who basically it was almost immediately, it was like a month after Tanacon happened, he wanted to hold a, an event like a concert uh that he kind of put on impromptu in LA and it was kind of similar situation like it was Nobody was, like, dying in the sun, but it was super lame. Nobody really, no big names performed. He had told everyone that he had met Drake. He had manifested Drake, and Drake was going to come perform. People went thinking, okay, Drake's going to perform, which makes them foolish. But anyway, that's where people went. Then uh, a bomb threat was called in on the location. It was evacuated, and everyone basically, after seeing some nobody artists was told, okay, go home. Um, And he, the YouTuber, then showed up some three hours after the event had started. He wasn't even there. He showed up in the parking lot of where they had just been evacuated from and gave this very long diatribe about how, about basically what this sounds like, which is, like, believing that he's meant to do great things. He, like, went out believing he was going to meet Drake and he met Drake and it was like, okay, he ran into Drake in a, in a club and they made eye contact and he blew it up into this large thing where like they were communicating in a meaningful way. So it's kind of like this horrible intersection of like YouTuber culture and it's constant need to escalate, but then also like genuine, things like mental health issues that should be addressed with a therapist because you're creating unsafe behaviors and also possibly endangering other people as well. Uh, But like delusions of grandeur combined with like wanting to create something big and meaningful, which is of course not a bad thing, but it is a bad thing if you don't have any ability to plan and pull off an event. Yeah. Yeah. It ended up being pretty sad. I think he's like, not on social media anymore, which is probably good for him. Yeah, definitely. That's that's someone that needs to get help. I, I guess, you know, I was thinking of a story. And again, I, I hope our listeners, I'm not trying to be ableist in, in saying this. I've a, I, I'm saying this out of compassion. There's a, a story in the New York Times a while ago. Um, so like clinical paranoia has, it's just part of the human condition, right? Like there are people that are born with that, there will always be that. Um, one of the phenomena that we have nowadays in the very LinkedIn world is a lot of people that kind of believe the government is after them, like that kind of person. Um, you know, 20 years ago, they were just kind of ostracized to the point of like living in poverty. Um, today, they have chat rooms and groups and talk to each other about these grand plots with the government coming to get them and things like that, like aliens listening in. And it's really kind of amplified this really serious condition where, you know, you do need the help of the doctor in the case of fire festival. If this person is suffering from this, um, you know, it's, it's really amplified, right? Like it's amplified through, it, it becomes a thing that's, that's hurting a lot of different people. That said, you know, I personally have seen a lot of um, interviews with this, uh, you know, with the man behind the fire festival, Billy McFarland. Um, and sometimes you can't see mental illness, like by just looking at someone. Mm-hmm. But my impression, if I were serving on a jury, if I were serving on this jury, this comes across as a very privileged legal argument. And I personally don't buy it. 
And um, just because you are suffering from a substance dependence issue, that doesn't get you off the hook from the things you might do. That's why AA has, you know, make amends. Hmm. And, you know, in this particular case, um, you know, I wish this person the best. Uh, You know, I've been very open about my own trip to rehab for ambient addiction. So I feel that. But he's still responsible for that, and I personally don't think it should mitigate jail time if it is true. Mm-hmm. I'd like to close this on a, on a truly astounding note, which is that this uh, this quote begins, last year's disastrous fire festival. Last year. It was only last year. It feels like oh it was God. three years ago. Well, that's because every day of 2018 is like 100 days, Simone. Brie, like this week has gone on for 5 million when years. When was Fire Festival? <laughs> I don't even know. Uh, April, May 2017. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. I, I can't even believe it. Um, so before we close out the show, I wanted to surprise you with a, a very quick, super positive topic. I would love, I would love to hear you talk about, am I correct to see you to have tweeted that you have read 40 books this year? That is freaking amazing. Tell me about that. I made a reading goal. Last year's reading goal was 30 books and this year's reading goal was 40 books. And I finally hit it thanks to Dame Agatha Christie, who I started reading again this year and who wrote the most compulsively readable and also nice and quite short murder mysteries in the history of the world. So, yeah, I did that uh, this actually last night. I think I finished my 40th book. That is so awesome. So how, how many pages are these murder mysteries? I could not say as i say as i crane my neck around to see if there's one near me i think a couple hundred pages okay that's yeah that's not trivial to get through so wow they they go they go like a knife through butter those books god they're so easy to read i freaking love them oh my gosh improving my craft so wait a minute i want to do a little bit of math so three times twelve so, yeah, so I read on average, let's see, I'm looking at my Audible credits. I read at least 36 and usually a few more books a year. Uh, and that's like audiobooks. And I often go back and like re-listen to books. Uh, but I don't know. I think it's something I really believe is if you want to be a writer, mm-hmm. you have to be a reader because you've got to constantly do you know what I mean? Like having perspectives that are not your own thinking thoughts that are not your own. Yeah. You've got to, you have to do that to get a grander uh, view of the world. Yeah. I definitely like the times when I was not reading as much, were not as good times for writing. And I feel like even now, even if I'm not writing a lot right now, cause I'm very tired, uh, <laughs> just being able to read keeps ideas moving through my head. Yep. Uh, it's very helpful. So what's your favorite book this year? Oh, God. I think it was Murder at the Vicarage, which was actually the very first Christie book that I read back in high school. But I I was too young to appreciate a lot of the things that made it very, very funny yeah. uh, when I was in high school that I definitely appreciated now. Like the fact that the <laughs> vicar has this like beautiful, young, sexy wife. And it opens with this dinner scene where he's like, you know, I I fully believe that priests, people in the clergy shouldn't marry. It's not necessary. A nice, good celibacy is best for, you know, being a vicar. And then I met Griselda and I, I proposed to her in less than 24 hours. And it, it never like goes into the story of how they met. But there's literally just so much in that, like, how did he meet this, yeah. this like, hot young wife and he's like <laughs> yes <laughs> give me some of that and then they yeah. have this great marriage and she's like a terrible terrible housewife but they love each other so much it's fantastic oh my gosh oh. i love that you know what i read this year um i'd never read much kurt vonnegut but i finally got around to reading slaughterhouse five no nice. and the thing about kurt vonnegut is like there are a million writers that think they're kurt vonnegut but having read Kurt Vonnegut, you're not Kurt Vonnegut, and you're not going to be. And it is, it is a stunningly good book, 
it's so dark and it says so much about war mm-hmm. and mental illness and ostracization. I, it's it's stunning. That's another one of those, uh, yet another one of those books that Simone read <laughs> in high school that she probably did not appreciate and remembers nothing about. Oh my goodness. All right, there it is. Well, I leave you with a final message that this episode of Rocket is brought to you by Q Acoustics, the wireless in-ear headphones with amazing sound quality. If you thought that you couldn't get true high fidelity in Bluetooth wireless headphones, check out the Q3e earphones from Q Acoustics. They give outstanding quality and deep, precise bass, really nice for music lovers, EDM lovers, of which our own Brianna Wu is one. They also have a long battery life and a handy micro USB charging port, plus easy access to buttons that let you control the volume, skip tracks, accept phone calls, and more. It was so weird, Simone. I was using them the other day, and I needed to turn the volume up or down, and I didn't have to go find my iPhone. There was a button for it. What? Right there next to me. It was so weird. That's obscene. How did you cope with such freedom? I I don't know. I think it just blew up my brain. (laughs) (laughs) You ripped the headphones out of your earphones out of your ears and you threw them across the room because of the witchcraft of buttons. Right. I was like, not God's plan. Just hurled it. No, it's it's great. It's a good product. Like you said, the battery life and the um, especially if you I I like AirPods a lot. They're a good product, but the open ear design of them. It just doesn't let you hear as much of the details as a canal bud. So, like, this is, um, it's a huge step up. All right. Well, they also come with different size ear tips. So you can find the fit that's just right for you, whether that is small, medium, or large. They want them to fit in your ears because they're great for running or working out in general. And they are also sweatproof and waterproof on top of that. And if you want them for your commute, they also have excellent noise isolation, so they're perfect for busy train or bus rides, which can be extremely overwhelming. And they also come with a handy carry case and have fuss-free, environmentally friendly packaging. So you have whatever situation you want your earphones for, boom, they're there. And like I said, you can also make phone calls with them, which definitely useful. So <laughs> you can find out more by heading to qacoustics.com slash rocket right now and using the code rocket 18 for 10% off your purchase. So that's qacoustics.com, Q-U-E, acoustics.com. And the code is rocket18, the numbers, <laughs> one eight for 10% off your new earphones. Thank you so much, Q Acoustics, for your support of the show and Relay FM. Love it. Brianna, what are you up to this week? Uh, This week, I'm prepping for my 2020 run. Uh, I'm about to head down to New York next week, which I'm very excited about. Uh, And then I'm going to shoot over to D.C., meet with some donors. Um, So very excited. Uh, If you are a... um, you are a fan of my campaign uh, and you want to have lunch uh, in New York or uh, Washington, D.C., shoot me a text. We'll see if it can happen. I cannot believe I was thinking about this actually today about the 2020 election. And I was like, oh, yeah. my God, that just we just we have literally one more year and then it's going to be election season again. And part of me was horrified. And then part of me was also relieved. Yeah. I really, yeah. I haven't quite settled on a feeling. I, oh God. It's yeah. silly soon. This this week has been so tough and yeah. I don't want to get into it, but it's been a tough week. Uh, yep. I, I uh, yep. <laughs> All right. Well, what am I doing this week? It's my birthday. Hey. Is it? Oh, yeah. happy birthday, Simone. On Friday. Um yeah, I'm going to a very uh, an immersive theater performance on Friday, which I'm super excited about. What um, does that it, mean, immersive theater? It's like where you interact with the performers. Yeah. Oh, uh, it just it's opening either tonight or tomorrow, so I haven't read any reviews of it. So I'm kind of like, oh, this might be bad, but it's about Houdini, so I'm very very excited because he's my man and he's oh, it's yeah. like 1920s. Um, yeah, so that's pretty much what I'm doing this week. I'm trying, trying, trying to get my silly book, uh, the novella, the demon novella that I wrote that was published in the anthology. The anthology rights uh, will be up uh, actually on my birthday. 
which means that I can, um, it won't be exclusive anymore and I can republish it. So I'm re-releasing it as a standalone short story, except I have to, I'm doing like another edit pass on it to just like clean it up and make sure it's perfect. Um, And I have not had time to like finish that. So it's probably not going to be up for pre-order this week, but it will be up eventually. And do I get it? Can I get an advanced reader copy? Yeah, absolutely. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Yay. Awesome. So that's what I'm up to. Next week, we'll be back with Christina and everything will be good and normal again. I mean, if if she's able to get out on bail, we assume. That's true. I mean, I, mean, we don't I will pay. I will happily pay. We yeah, need her. I'm, I mean, she's got the iPhone, you know, Mac, so she could just cash that in for bail. <laughs> You know what else might happen next week is we might actually have some news. Oh, I mean, no, not like news from us, but like the world, because there was no news this week. There was a lot of I feel like we brought quality information to the audience. They woke up today not knowing what they needed to know about blockchain lettuce. That's true. We solved that problem for them. We did. You're welcome, America. Yeah. And the rest of the world. And on that note, Brie, where can we find you online to thank you for doing what you did for America? <laughs> you can find me at Space Cat Gal on the Twitter machine, and you can find me on uh, Facebook. Uh, you know what? If you're a rocket lister, just shoot me an email and say, yo, Brie, friend me on Facebook. And you can get my real Facebook, because I'm actually using Facebook these days. You are. So I see you. I, um, I see you doing that. It's weird. It's weird. Yeah. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. So email Brie about Facebook, but she might change her mind and not delete her Facebook entirely. Could, Anything could happen. Could. It's 2018. You True can story. find me on Twitter at Doom Quasar and YouTube.com slash Polygon to see all the videos about Spider-Man and coming up all the videos about Assassin's Creed, which I'm super excited about. Thank you so much for listening. If you like the show, you can review it on Apple Podcasts, and you can also tell your friends to listen in, learn about that lettuce blockchain. If anyone laughs about the lettuce blockchain, you know exactly. You can do that thing where you're like, "Um, actually, the lettuce blockchain is not (laughs) funny, and here's a podcast about why. Except try not to come off like a total jerk, because then they won't actually listen to the podcast, and they won't like it. But we want them to be like, oh... I feel educated about the lettuce blockchain. Thank you, friend. You are my best friend now. And also Rocket is my favorite podcast. So that's the scenario we're we're shooting for. Um, good luck with that. Workshop it. Let me know how it goes. This episode of Rocket <laughs> is terminated. Terminated.